Trevor Simpson, Associate Editor for Hotel News Now. When you think back to a year of the past, you probably think about some major event. You might think about a favorite song or a movie that came out, maybe a particular sporting event or team, or an election of some sort. When we look back on the year that 2023 was down the line, the first thing that is going to come to mind for a significant number of people, including hoteliers, will be a concert tour. Nothing quite captured the zeitgeist like Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour and Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour. Two of the most popular artists in the world embarked on their world tours in the same year, capturing the attention of more than just their diehard fans on each stop. There were also some major sporting events such as the FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand and the Rugby World Cup in Paris. I'd like to now welcome in Stephanie Ricca, Editorial Director of Hotel News Now, and Kelsey Fennerty, Manager of Analytics for STR. How are we doing today? Hi, Trevor. Hi. Hey, Trevor. Excited to speak to you today. So before we get started, um, let's start with something fun. What is, what is your favorite Taylor Swift song, Steph? Well, I have to admit, I'm like in the minority because I did not go see the Eras tour, but I feel like I've lived it vicariously through so many people in our orbit and friends and colleagues who did. I would have loved to see it. I didn't even see the movie, so I'm completely behind the times. But I'm I'm a fan of classic Taylor Swift. Okay. So the early albums. Gotcha. Kelsey? I think I would have to say probably all too well the 10 minute version though because if there's one thing i've been told more than once in my career it's that you need to cut down on your words so i appreciate that taylor did not it's a good answer i like that i like i like the song august and it's also my birth month so so it feels a little special place in your heart yeah yeah i'd say that okay so probably makes the most sense to start with Taylor's Eras tour. Uh, it was the first tour to surpass $1 billion and brought in more than $200 million in hotel room revenue. Kelsey, we'll start with you. We all know the pool that an artist like Taylor Swift has, but why did this tour perform especially well for hotels? I think, you know, there's a, a few different reasons for this, but for the Taylor one in particular, I think that it just built on itself. It became it kind of emblematic of that kind of quote unquote FOMO, the fear of missing out, the revenge travel that's characterized so much of the pandemic. One person loved it or multiple people loved it. And then it just kind of, you know, became its own phenomenon that everyone wanted to be a part of it and experience it. And so you had that massive demand that hotels absolutely got to capitalize on. And it was so organic, too, don't you think? Like, yeah. a lot of times with events or experiences, we see this desire to kind of manufacture demand around it. Mm -hmm. But this just took off. And I was reading the CNN, there was a CNN travel article on how the tour changed travel, right? And, of course, at Hotel News Now, Trevor, you wrote about that months ago, right after the North America leg. But they talked about not just the success of hotel promotions, but Airlines were waiving fees when concerts were postponed and travelers had to change their plans. Um, there's apparently a, a Caribbean cruise that's themed for the tour. Wow. I mean, it's way more than just hotels. Have you ever seen an event have an impact so big and so widely spread out, Steph? 
Never. And all of the people, like the people you talk to, people that we see uh, commenting on this, say it's bigger than the Super Bowl. And in North America, that's always kind of that baseline. Would you say, Kelsey, for like the event phenomena, even though that's a, a once a year as opposed to a full tour schedule? I think probably so, especially because with the Super Bowl as well, you know, you have kind of limited demand. It's one night. A lot of those tickets are sold corporate and the Eras tour is not like that. She plays cities two to three nights in a row. The tickets are primarily sold to individual fans and not huge groups. I think it's also, you know, we kind of track events. I'm involved in forecasting outside of the U.S. And there's a handful of artists that it does not matter where in the world they go. They will always draw demand. They will always have impact on hotel performance. And I don't know that Taylor Swift has done that outside of the U.S. before the Eras tour, but to see it on this scale in the U.S., it's just been absolutely wild. Do you think that there will be more of an emphasis on catering to artists' fans in the coming years in terms of promotions at hotels? I love that question. I think hotels will try it, and why not? Good for them. This, what happened with Taylor and Beyonce is not going to happen again, but we're going to see every other artist you can think of try it. And it's going to start with those, you know, with um, the artists that are coming to do residencies at the Sphere. That'll be one of them. But I, I feel like just in my gut, every artist you can name is going to be promoting themselves as this is the next heiress tour, the next heiress tour. And it won't be, of course, but can it have some positive impact for, say, a hotel running promotions? Sure, they've learned a lot. Yeah. And then Beyonce also went on her world tour this year, and it, it took the globe by storm, but it didn't have the same impact on hotel performance. Kelsey, what was different about Beyonce's tour that could speak to it not quite reaching the same impact as Taylor Swift's? You know, I don't I don't want to compare and contrast too hard here because I think they were both wildly successful tours sure. by wildly successful women in their own right. Yeah. It could be to do with I don't know that, you know, Beyonce could have had more local fans coming, especially she went toured internationally as well first. So you kind of had a different layout for the tour. She didn't play multiple nights in a row in most cities, I don't think. And I, that could have been it as well especially because she didn't get a lot of that draw, you know, like the tailor gating and the people showing up, even if they didn't have tickets, mm -hmm. that drove some demand as well. And it could be things like that. I also like, depending on the market, she did have, you know, like I said, incredibly successful turnout and yeah. really nice impact for hotels. Yeah. That's what I heard when I did reporting on the story a few months ago, it was assumed that it was more of a local fan base for each show. And then also, yeah, there were some cities where she performed just one night, I believe, whereas Taylor was three nights in a row. Usually, well, not usually, all of Taylor's shows were on the weekend. Some of Beyonce's shows were during the weekdays, crept into school starting as well. So there were a few different factors in that. Hotels did really interesting promotions, like event promotions yeah. around Beyonce, which I thought was interesting that kind of gave you that idea that they had learned some lessons from Taylor right. that, okay, we can do on property event promos, drink specials, events on the rooftops and so on. Um, 
because they saw the demand from that first big one. So it would be interesting to see what that, you know, kind of what the, <laughs> the, the total spend on property maybe was. Might not have been multiple room nights, but some of those events we were looking at, I remember Trevor, mm -hmm. they, it was a pretty hefty ticket price to go to, you know, Beyonce themed yoga on the rooftop. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of different fun promotions being put on at these hotels, which, yeah, I, I do think that's something that could be a little bit of a trend moving forward in terms mm -hmm. of, yeah, really trying to squeeze as much revenue as you can out of a big time artist coming to your town. Mm -hmm. Um, to flip the page outside of concerts, Kelsey, what were some of the other big events that impacted hotel per performance this year? Outside of the U.S., I mean, I think you mentioned kind of the really big sporting events, the FIFA Women's World Cup. That did really well across Australia and New Zealand. The Rugby World Cup in Paris, which Paris performance was already incredibly strong in the World Rugby World Cup really just kind of underscored that and continued the theme. I would say that this is a little bit of a cop-out answer just because they happen every year. But to me, the standout events this year were the national holidays in China. These are these are annual events. They have these holidays every year, same as the U.S. has like Fourth of July, things like that. But this year, the demand for travel over, over China's uh, New Year's, Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, the Labor Day holiday in late April, early May, and then Golden Week and National Day holiday in September, October. Just absolutely incredible, spectacular performance, massive domestic travel across China. And it was just, I think, very emblematic that we're past the pandemic, things are back to normal, and we continue to maintain our love of travel even beyond that immediate, you know, revenge travel we're we're here to stay we're traveling for real right and a lot of hoteliers in the u.s hope that the opening of all these countries mm -hmm. will set up some more inbound international travel into 2024 china has really been promoting domestic travel this year and i yeah. think it's been interesting to see so much pickup there not surprising but like Kelsey just mentioned, with all of that demand around those domestic holidays and that question of when all international inbound will come back to the U.S., particularly China and Asia, is the number one what will happen for yeah. 2024 in terms of events. Because, I mean, I see big group travel as an event, right? Yeah. And group travel made its comeback this year for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, demand in October, this past October, finally surpassed 2019 levels, which mm -hmm. was a big benchmark, um, which is a lot of smaller events and groups contributing to that calendar. Yeah. And then something that's not really a predictable event, but we talked about it a little bit last week, Kelsey, how some weather events had an impact. What were some of those this year in 2023? I, we can definitely point to, you know, specific storms like Typhoon Lan in Japan back in August. Um, Auckland had some really terrible flooding back at, in January at the beginning of the year in New Zealand the heat waves in South America recently, but it's just, I would say in general, 
we continue to see more and more weather related events, the big things, like I just said, but also when I speak to clients, especially about forecasting and I say, you know, Hey, what happened in May? We thought it would be a better month. And they say, Oh, it was so rainy. No one came because it was so rainy. Nobody felt like, you know, nobody went on vacation. They postponed it. They rescheduled it. And I think we're seeing that more and more, especially across Europe, where these random weather phenomenon, not even necessarily, you know, a huge tornado or something, impact travel and interest in travel in the short term. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how hotels react to these increasingly likely um, weather events. Because, yeah, it does seem like every single year there's more and more happening. The two add Ws when you think about events, weather and war, Mm -hmm. right? And war definitely had an impact this year. The big ones, of course, were Ukraine and and Gaza, Israel, where you can see reporting we've done on Hotel News Now looking at that impact on travel and hotel stay. But... We still see the impact. We're still seeing the impact of refugees staying in hotels that have been converted to, uh, you know, short-term housing for that approach. We'll see it continue as you see those the exodus and movement out. It's there's so many threads to pull when you look at both weather and war yeah. as having a profound impact on travel. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't think you know can't speak to everyone, but I would say at least for the weather, a lot of the people I've spoken to have been pretty laid back about it. I think there is some degree of understanding that you can't necessarily predict it. You can only move on from it. And maybe, you know, if May is terrible because it's so rainy, June will be extra good because everyone saved up their holiday and the sun's come out. And, you know, I heard a fun anecdote recently from a hotelier who does, who operates a lot of properties in ski and resort areas. So he was talking about this idea of people plan their ski vacation and what if there's no snow? I mean, obviously resorts manufacture snow, Mm -hmm. but it's different. And you can kind of extrapolate that to a beach vacation. What if you go and it's rainy the whole week? And so I kind of sense this movement of hoteliers who are promoting take the vacation at any cost. You know, I think it would be a real bummer if you bought all your Disney tickets and it poured rain or, you know, they closed the park because of lightning. Mm -hmm. But in some instances, that's an extreme. But in some instances, I see people kind of leaning into it. You know, if you're at the resort and the snow is not falling and the snow machines are not that great, then you sit in the lodge and have hot chocolate and you spend money that way. That's a very positive way of looking at things. I need a vacation, Trevor. (laughs) I need a vacation. We talk about events. Send me on one. Well, looking into 2024 now, um, obviously the big event on the calendar right now would be looking ahead to the summer with the 2024 Paris Olympics. Are there any other events that you guys are looking out for into the new year? Internationally? I would say the concert tours continue. Uh, Obviously, Taylor Swift will continue into Asia Pacific and Europe next year. But also we have Coldplay that we're watching. Ed Sheeran has a handful of dates. Trying to think who else we've got. Um, But those those are kind of the things that I'm looking for as we forecast out what are the big events. And then the other one 
again, just kind of a general, but it all comes together. Germany is incredibly reliant on trade fairs, the messy, they call them. And they've come back this year. We've seen trade fairs, but it goes back to that piece about China that we were talking about, that the uh, exhibitors out of China really didn't return in 2023. So the German markets are hoping that all their exhibitors to trade fairs out of China and attendees will return in 2024 and help bolster the impact that these big fairs have on their respective markets. I want to ask you, Kelsey, a question. What do you think about Formula One and its enduring impact? I feel like 2023 was kind of a breakout year for the sport in terms of generating a lot more mainstream interest. And of course, it's one of those that that crosses global borders, definitely, and has different levels of impact in different cities. Do you think that's something that's going to just keep growing as it builds I would say a more American fan base because that's what I think the crossover, the breakthrough was this year. Yeah, that's a really good one, Steph, because you said it built mainstream mainstream interest this year, but that's definitely referring to the U.S. because it's been a sure. massive, yes. massive generator abroad. It's yes, we track those every single year and every single year you can see the massive rate growth over F1 weekend. I will say it's a little bit of a funny one and I'm not an F1 fan. So I'm hearing the second hand because we do have quite a number of fans in the office that tell me about these things, but it, it, it depends on how well the season goes. The final race is always in Abu Dhabi at the end of November, beginning of December. And depending on whether or not it's been a really competitive season, or if you know who the winner is already, that has an impact on how well <clears throat> the race, yeah, how well it performs <laughs> for hotels. Um, so this year apparently was not a super exciting season. I don't mean to offend F1 fans. I don't actually watch no, it. You're right. You're exactly right. It was super predictable in terms of the the front runners and the front running team, which was Red Bull. Yeah, Steph is the uh, the F1 expert on this podcast right now. I also don't have much knowledge on it. Well, I just think it's fun to look at events like that because it's similar to a concert tour, right? Yeah. Where it's truly global and it's making multiple stops in major cities. I, I just find it fascinating to think, put myself in the mind of the traveler and say, who's deciding this? You know, you read these stories about people who say, well, I saved my vacation days to go see Taylor Swift in London right. or to see F1 in Singapore, you know, and these are from people all over the world saying that. So it's just fascinating to me to think about how people plan that experience travel. And the industry has talked about the trend of experience travel for years. It hasn't really shown what that, I mean, it means different things to different people, mm -hmm. but I feel like that is about to really take off in a, in a global way like this. All right, guys. Uh, those were all the questions that I had prepared. Was there anything that you guys wanted to add? I think, you know, we touched a little bit on that international inbound to the U.S., yeah. but this is a global podcast. <laughs> we saw so much of that internet of that American outbound to Europe this yeah. year. What do you think is going to happen there, Kelsey? Do you think that Americans have been there, done that, and we'll see a cooling down of America out and 
non-North America in next year? So this was a very hotly debated topic in our last forecast update, which we just released at the end of November. Uh, because yes, huge, huge demand from Americans into Europe in particular this year. Part of that was the exchange rate. And the exchange rate for both euros and the British pound has since normalized. So you're not going to get an amazing deal on travel for going abroad next year. Uh, part of that too, we the 2023 was the first big year that we had the airlift back, that we had the ability to travel abroad. You could in 2022, but it was just a little trickier, a little more confusing. We're generally thinking that Americans will continue to go abroad next year, of course, but maybe not quite as wildly as they did this year. Maybe try a new destination. If you went to Italy this year and did your Tuscan summer, uh -huh. maybe you'll go to Tokyo next year or Mexico, or maybe you'll stay domestic and go to a big city in the U.S. What, what did they call it? Like Italian girl summer or something like something that. Like that. Oh my yeah, gosh. Something like too that. Too much. Too much. No. Yeah. I don't know where these people got all the time to do that kind of stuff. Didn't even cross my mind. I wouldn't have done it. Hot take. If somebody would I have did said, it. "Oh, you did? Wow, sorry, I, Kelsey." Was it like crazy? It was honestly yes. I did Italy back in April, and it was wall to wall Americans. Oh, I met God. more Americans than nightmare. I did Italians working walking around Italy. Uh, so yes, I don't. I, I would love to go back and I would never suggest you should not do European travel, but I would say there might've been a few too many Americans abroad last year. Well, April was probably a good time to do it before all the heat set in, right? Yes. Yes. The weather was lovely. Yeah. I feel like there's a blend, there's sort of a, that idea of, and this is another, maybe I'm going off on a tangent, but um, when you talk about events and the event schedule, it's, it's often, you know, we think about it in terms of what those periods are, you know, summer, obviously, mm -hmm. and then school breaks and half term and, and things like that around the world. But I feel anecdotally as a traveler myself, I just see no end, no border to that wave. You know, when it's October on a Tuesday and the airport is full of families going somewhere, I think, okay, something is different here. It's not so much restricted Maybe that's a post-pandemic thing. Mm -hmm. It's not so much restricted to those event moments. Yeah. Something to look for in 2024. So what's what event are you guys, what do you have tickets for in 2024? I don't know if I have anything set up for 2024. It's already yet. too late then, Trevor. You're not going <laughs> to see Taylor in Canada? Doug? Isn't, is she coming back there? Is that the next? That's a good question. She's going to Canada, but not till late next year, maybe. It's Asia Pacific first. How long is this tour lasting? Okay, I have time then. <laughs> How about you, Kelsey? Where you? What do you have tickets for in 24? Oh, gosh. Uh, I... Also, I'm a last minute ticket buyer, Steph. Okay. Wait till the very last Short minute. It's, it's not, it's not the best. Trend. Yep. That's, I, I am a big proponent of the short booking window trend because I like to wait to the last minute. Um, you know, don't want to go in the bad weather. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, last minute on the tickets here. What about you? 
I'm going to see Madonna in February. It's a bucket Ooh. list item for me. It's not it's not going to be an Eras tour, but it's going to be a Era. <laughs> and that was postponed, right? That was supposed to be this year? Yeah, and I don't know, but I feel like a lot and again, like I said, I feel like every artist is wants their Taylor Beyonce moment. Some so of them will hit, some of them won't. Do you think Madonna's will hit? I don't know. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of aging millennial Gen X boomers mm-hmm. such as my era, so we'll see. <laughs> we can't drink as many cocktails in the hotel <laughs> bar beforehand that we used to. All right. Well, Kelsey, Steph, thank you so much for joining me. I think this was very informative. Yeah, thank you, Trevor. It's been great. Thanks, Trevor. This was fun. Hi, I'm Devon Reed. I'm Omari Head. And I'm Chris Henry. We're the hosts of the Next Gen and Lodging podcast on the Hotel News Now podcast network. It's a monthly show in which we interview a new generation of hoteliers to get their insights into a variety of disciplines and topics from finance to food and beverage and hotel operations. Listen to us on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. This episode of the Hotel News Now podcast was recorded on December 13th, 2023 and edited by Trevor Simpson. Go to hotelnewsnow.com for the latest industry news every day.